Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, I am Seth Leaps, and the phone number is 602-508-0960-602-5080-960. And uh, Doug was kind enough. He called in at the tail end of the last hour, and uh, it was a short segment. Kind enough to wait with us. Doug, thanks for your patience, sir. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was... I sent you the article um, from Dennis Prager, who I always think is a national treasure. And um, but I, I think the article is superb, and I'll go over real in in brief uh, here. But I think it covers half the the problem. I think as conservatives, we have our very own version of this. And um, the article was basically saying that if liberals actually voted their values, um, we wouldn't have the problems we have today. Um, But they keep voting for leftists. Um, And then he went through, like, free speech. Liberals believed and fought for free speech. But they'll vote for leftists that are shutting down free speech. And that liberals believe in the um, character over race, but then they vote for leftists that is almost exclusively about race-based everything. And he went through the whole litany of how they're basically not actually voting and thinking in their values through. They're just voting for the leftism. Um, and it was just brilliant. <clears throat> and it got me thinking. But, you know, and part of the problem is, is that if you go back to Doug's rule I brought up several times, I think it started a couple of years ago, that on the left, it to leftists, there, there is no error or wrong on the left. They can see no wrong. And so the socialism can have complete failure. All the social programs can have complete failure. But the, uh, the good and the belief is so beautiful. It is their religion. It supersedes the reality on the ground. So it, it can never see anything wrong, just even though we see death and destruction of its policies all about. And, of course, with conservatism, even though capitalism and free enterprise has been has really, literally raised several billion people out of poverty, it, because it is never perfect and it can't be absolutely perfect, therefore, to the leftist, it can never be used because it isn't perfect and because they use their belief and their religion of the left as, you know, as the guideline. Now, but we look at that and can see that, oh, my God, that makes perfect sense when Dennis Prager brings that up. My God, they're not voting their values. But um, I would say it's we on the right do the very same thing. Um, Our version of it is that we're fighting, um, like you said, we're, we have to fight a wartime conservatism, and we're living and voting like it's 1980 and, and 1960, with the very lackadaisical, yeah, he's being really sweet. So if you vote our values, you would say, 
we would hold our people to the values. We would say, are you fighting for the values? No, they're not, but they say it every two years. Oh, that's nice. You know, so we're blinded by our, our religion on the right should be the principles that guide us, the, um, you know, that we, we talk about all the time. But for most of us, and I, I would offend many people, but I would, you know, I would say, are you out fighting for it? Are you out walking? Are you fighting? Are you voting for fighters? Are you vi- uh, voting for people who talk conservative during the election and then accommodate, accommodate, and always have excuses for not fighting too hard? So we, we enter the, this fight with the left. They're fighting World War II and we're entering this battle with World War I tactics and weaponry. Um, so that's what I was basically talking about, is that we are just as blinded as the left. They vote for leftism, even though it's not aligning with the principles. And we vote for accommodation, and we're disgusted by the results. So much in what you said um, that is so important. Let's break it down a little bit by bit if we can together. The Dennis Prager article that you sent me, I do want to thank you for it. And I think the most important thing in his article, I mean, what he's talking about is something Charles Murray, I think it was, said a long time ago. If it wasn't Charles Murray, it was um, someone else. But I think it was Charles Murray who said to liberal Americans, my main message is preach what you practice. Preach what you practice. Um And usually the phraseology is practice what you preach. But his point was that liberals live a life that they don't talk about. You know, they don't put up, they don't live by the nostrums that they vote for, in other words, or the the nostrums that they mouth when they come out of the precincts of the Democratic Party. The most important thing, I think, in Dennis's article is this, if you'll forgive me, if you'll uh, allow me to read just a portion of it. He writes, he writes, um, The average liberal has no idea what the left is doing to the country. Whenever I relate a left-wing action or position to liberal friends or relatives, they almost say that they almost always say that's crazy and thereby dismiss the action or position as that of a handful of weirdos. Most liberals have no idea what leftists are doing to deprive children of their sexual innocence. Ask any liberal in your life if they even know or have heard of Drag Queen Story Hour, or that professors have to take oaths committing themselves to diversity, equity, and inclusion in order to obtain or retain employment. Uh, Probably most liberals don't even know what DEI stands for. Um, They think, in other words, that uh, when Joe Biden talks about moderate Democrats and ridiculous or extreme Republicans— they 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 just buy it hook line and sinker that the, the the only and i don't think it's a disagreement with dennis on this but the only qualifier i would add is i honestly don't know if there are just that many liberals left um no, there are there are there are there are in, in at least in in voting behavior because they should know by now they should know by now what the Democratic Party has done and does do to the American, uh, to the country, to the United States. They should know by now. And if they know and still keep voting for a party that is infused and suffused by radical leftists who have no problem with socialism or the radicalism of Ilan Omar, I mean, there's just nothing Ilan Omar stands for that uh, Kamala Harris doesn't, which is why Nancy Pelosi supported 
Ilan Omar in her primary race when a quote-unquote moderate Democrat challenged her. If you cared about the moderacy of the Democratic Party, you would be out recruiting people to overturn, to overrun, outrun, and and uh, defeat these socialists in the Democratic Party. The people who are in charge of the coffers of the Democratic Party in Washington do not do that. They do not. They will support an incumbent socialist over a moderate any time. And um, as, 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 long as, as long as they pay a certain amount of obeisance to, to the Speaker or the Majority Leader in the House of Representatives or the DCCC. Second, and you can respond to any of this uh, as or when you want, Doug, but the other thing I wanted to point out is you said something interesting, and I don't know if I'll get it just right, but I think you said something about the leftist never thinks they never questions themselves or never thinks they do anything wrong. That's another distinction. One of my favorite jurists of yore is a man named Learned Hand. It's a funny name, but that is his name, Learned Hand, who was uh, one of the most uh, oft-quoted jurists, judges, uh, from the federal bench in New York uh, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And he said that the spirit of liberalism, it's a great speech he gave to immigrants at the height of World War II. He said the spirit of liberalism is the spirit that is not too sure that it is right, the spirit which seeks to understand the mind of other men and women, the spirit which weighs their interests alongside its own without bias. Um, That is certainly not true of the left. And again, it's hard to find true liberals that do believe that anymore. You know you have found one when you find one who's willing to debate. You know you found one. Uh, I used to say I could probably think of one or two in popular culture or popular political culture. Um, There's probably a few more. Uh, I, I understand Barry Weiss to be someone like this. I used to say it was Alan Dershowitz and Joe Lieberman. I think you would add... Barry Weiss to that. You'd probably add Bill Maher to that. Um, they are mm-hmm. liberals. But then again, the case of Alan Dershowitz and Joe Lieberman, probably, but also Barry Weiss, is they will vote for the Democrats. Certainly Bill Maher will. Certainly they will. Yeah. Let me let me take the break. This is such a big issue. Let me take the break and bat it around with you a little more if you still have the time. 602-508-0960. Anyone else wants to weigh in, you are welcome to. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Uh, let's see, 602-508-0960, anyone who'd like to weigh in. Um, Doug, thank you. Bless you if that was a sneeze. Uh, was it a sneeze? God bless you. Yes, it was. Okay, yes. all right. Um, so I think I, I gave you what I kind of wanted to say uh, in mm-hmm. response to the Dennis Prager liberal-leftist uh, dichotomy. Uh, not only between liberals and leftists, but between liberals and their lifestyles and what they vote for and uh, what they think they're voting for. Um, anyway, I, uh, I I do think we have to grasp the essential, the essential point, which is what you and I know most don't. Most in this, what most in this audience know when they go out into a political discussion, they assume, we assume, that uh, the person we're talking to knows about the leftism uh, that stalks uh, so many of our institutions, our culture, and our country, yeah. when they just yeah. don't. They just don't know about it. And they don't know about no. it because uh, CNN and MSNBC try to deny it uh, so they don't air it and ventilate it, whereas talk radio and Fox News at all try to expose it. So if they don't listen to talk radio or watch Fox News 
uh, expositions, exposés of these things, where the heck will they get it? You know, the New York Times right. isn't going to do an expose on on Ibram uh, Kenye's uh, corrupt center. They're not going to do an expose on the BLM's uh, corrupt spending and ideology. They're not going to do that. They're going to run defense for them. So why would they know it? We have to recognize they don't know what we know. Well, I, I agree 100 um, percent. But I would say that the second half to this is that we as conservatives, what we need to begin to do as conservatives is to realize we can't repeat the the lefts and the liberals' errors on our side of the spectrum. I'm going to take this back to a situation. Evangelical Christianity kind of was born on the frontiers in the 1812s, and it is the the main uh, push that the the main reason we were pushed towards civil war is because the abolitionists were basically, for the most part, evangelical Christians at first. There were two uh, sisters uh, from South Carolina that were abolitionists. Now, you can imagine how brave they were being in that part of the country in the South, and they were pushing for the abolition of uh, slavery, you know. And, um, but here's, they went out and had to be evangelical in the cause of slavery. Now they had to go out and teach and push and push. They, they had, we have to begin to do that as conservatives and realizing that if you're going to talk about Christianity, you have to save the culture that allows it to thrive. Okay, you can't separate those. So you can't say that you're going to stay Christian and not get involved in politics. We got to get rid of that, and we got to start uh, stop shutting up and talking. If the left is the only one in the conversation in the culture, and I mean in you, with your parents and your brothers and your sisters, if you're shutting up and they're talking, you're the problem. And because those days are gone. Um, I tell you, if everybody needs to watch the Tucker interview, it's episode number 25 where he talks to Ken Paxton. If you want to see what the left is up to, he talks about they're pushing to control all elections. And if they get through, they're using the lawfare to count votes. And he says, if he says, if we use their system, I can't, as the attorney general of Texas, even prove ballot fraud under their system. They are fighting a war, and we're fighting patty cakes and worried about how nice everybody, like it's the Democrats of 1980. We got to wake up, just like the, the, the conservatives in before Civil War had to wake up and start realizing that we got to start the evangelical, um, use that approach to our cause, or we're going to be talking about how uh, how we talk about Germany. How did it happen? Well, they were serious, and the other side wasn't serious. They talked about Brahms and Bach and Beethoven and Brahms. They talked about philosophy, and the other side was on the streets. One person wants it, one person believes it, and the other side likes to talk about it. And the people that believe it and fight for it will always win. Until in the in the slave owners were winning in the South, they controlled the House of Representatives. 
until the people got out in the streets and started having conversations and slowly converted the mass of the population. When that occurred, there was a massive shift, and hence we got Abraham Lincoln. But we had to have the people on the streets talking. And right now, I, I worry about us. I don't worry about the left. I know what they're doing, and it's frightening. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Well, I was just going to say you reminded me in this recitation of two other things you said that I kind of wanted to remark on and toss around, which is this isn't 1980. And you're bringing up Lincoln and uh, and how he succeeded. You know, there is something, though, instructive about the leadership of 1980 uh, or Lincoln that I do kind of wish we um, did a bit more of. Uh, I understand the need to be angry, and I understand the need to be wartime. I I would like to. No, right. say, don't, yes. don't be angry. Be impassioned. Okay, that's be a better word for it. I'll happy. take that. I, humor. I, uh, that's a better word for it. There was yeah. there was a cheerfulness and uh, uh, and a and a winning cheerfulness at that about characters like Lincoln yeah. and Reagan yeah. that stead them well in a way that you didn't have with people like, let's say, Barry Goldwater or perhaps even some of our modern leaders. And I think that's a turnoff a little bit. Yes, I do. I agree. OK, I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I'm acting impassioned here because I believe like we're all brothers and sisters. Yeah. And I'm basically trying to say, hey, we have a wake up call here. Yeah, we, do. we can do it with humor. We can do it with love and passion. I get some of my liberal friends laughing. Yeah. You know, I, I, are you dumb enough to be a liberal? And they go, ah, oh, and I'll say, hey, now think about this, you know, and we'll start laughing. And, and But the point is we can do that with good cheer, mm-hmm. but we have to have enough anger is situating in our belly to get us off our couch and get us Yeah, we got to be angry food. about what you betcha. You betcha what they're doing to our children, what they're doing to our liberties, what they're yeah. doing to the Constitution, yeah. what they say they want to do. If you daughter in the locker room with a naked you male, you that bet. should get your gut broken. So much should. But so much then should. get out with passion and love right. and start to educate because in, that's what we did with slavery. It took almost 30 years, but they changed the nation, yep. that, and the nation would no longer tolerate slavery. Nicely put. That's what happened when we got out and talked and talked to the people about the right and wrong. Well, but sitting at home yep. didn't the slave owners were always winning. Yep. It was only when we said that's not right and we got to start talking. That's when things changed. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you, Doug. God bless you. You betcha. Take care of it. You too. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. That's uh, the most appropriate thing you could play on a day like today, right? Little Earth, Wind, and Fire. Did you remember? Yeah, September. The 21st night of September. 21st night of September. Very nicely done. There we go. Yeah, you probably have that on your calendar all year long. I do. I have it marked. I have a big red X. Now, yeah. t- now go and tell me. Great why, glass now. Now go. Now go and tell me why the band is called Earth, Wind, and Fire, and not Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water, which are the four essences. Why did they only go with three out of four? I, I do you, don't know. You're familiar with the word quintessential, right? You've heard the word quintessential mm-hmm. as kind of the peak example of something, the best example, or the high point of something. 
it means the unification of the four essences when they're all in sync. It's the quintessence when you have earth, wind, fire, and water, or earth, wind, air, and water, I guess, in medieval lore. It would be when you have those all in unite in unification and consanguinity, that's the quintessence. Then that's where you is, get the word quintessential. Then it's why the is fifth. quintuple referring to five? So the, Quint so is the, five. So Quint the, is five. So the, so the, the quintessence is the fifth part, which the is the four being is united. The it together. Okay, yeah, 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 yes. I learned a like lot Like Captain every day. Quint. Yes, from Jaws. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses and changed election laws, which may have led to the Biden presidency, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. For precious metals are a private currency that has been used, that have been used to store wealth throughout history. Thousands of you already know and trust the veterans at the Midas Gold Group. They've been fighting for you and your financial freedom and privacy in the Valley for years. Give them a call at the Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Don't you think it's interesting they didn't have the fourth essence in there in the name of that band? Earth, wind, fire, and water? I maybe There is know, a reason. I just don't remember what it water is. water didn't make it to the recording label. <laughs> no, I know there is a it has Water to, was late that morning. No, it had to do with the founder of the band. I think he didn't like the sign uh the astrological sign of it or something like that or huh. a girlfriend anyway. Something like that. Are you a big earth wind and fire guy? No. I I mean I'm okay with them, but no. I I couldn't even off the top of my head name you another song of theirs other than that one. I like That's the Way of the World. Yeah. And the little bit of trivia that I know about that one yeah. is, that most people don't know is that was that album was created for a movie soundtrack. Uh-huh. Similarly titled That's the Way of the World with Harvey Keitel. Uh-huh. That's my earth wind and fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Okay, let's 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 move on. Yes. Yeah, okay. But good work on September 21st. Uh, I, I was mentioning our, our friends at Issues and Insights. I feel like Johnny Carson talking to a drunk Ed McMahon. Let's move on. For those animals. Yeah. They're was, nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> Ferocious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a funny clip. Our friends at Issues and Insights um, were talking about the Democrats seeing, after all this talk, you know, we've looked at the enemy and the enemy of, as us, at least Pogu could admit it, but with the Democrats, well, the interesting thing is they have talked so much about existential threats to the Constitution, it's odd that we've just kind of elided over the notion that to them the Constitution is the existential threat. We were speaking about some of the things that they have been saying lately, especially on on MSNBC. Over the weekend, another example at CNN, Jim Acosta was interviewing uh, two Harvard professors about a book they've written. It's all about bashing the Constitution. The Chiron, you know, the, the crawl at the bottom of the screen, blared, quote, scholars... Worn, outdated constitution has put democracy at risk. Um, Jim Acosta said in introducing them, quote, the country lags dangerously behind other modern democracies because it hasn't taken any steps to eliminate minority rule that they say has allowed a minority to thwart the will 
of American voters. Close quote. This is such a dangerous line of teaching and thought. It is so dangerous and so fraught with awful consequence for people at CNN and authors like this to keep perpetuating this notion. It was only yesterday that Mark Levin was talking about and reminding everyone, rightly, the progressivism of Woodrow Wilson, which said that those truths that we thought were permanent and self-evident as much as the Constitution, which we thought permanent, were in no way to the progressives permanent. To be updated and renewed by every generation. Okay, we'll be right back. We can dump that one. I think it's enough of her, enough to be hairy. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Um, let's talk about war and the House Divided. Uh, Abraham Lincoln in his second inaugural spoke of both parties deprecating war, but one of them would make war rather than the nation, let the nation survive, and the other would accept war rather than let it perish. And the war came. I saw this speech. You all know Matt Walsh. You know Matt Walsh, what is a woman and all that. He uh, he was speaking at Washington and Lee University earlier this week, and I, tra- I, I caught this, and it is, I think, wonderful. And he's talking uh, to the transgender activists at Washington and Lee about the war that we're in, and I think it's worth playing for you. So bear with. Here's Matt Walsh. To those uh, trans activists, the ones who are uh, doing most of the ranting about imaginary genocides, um, I would want to say one thing, and I don't think there are a lot of trans activists in this particular crowd. Maybe there are. Uh, I don't see any purple hair at the moment. But if they're watching on the stream, if they see the video, uh, I, I just want to say one thing because it's, it's important to understand. You know, we hear so much from the trans activists about again, the genocide they're suffering and how they're being victimized and bullied uh, by people like me. You know, what you should realize is that you started it. Um, So when you're on social media, you're on the news, you're out marching the street, crying your crocodile tears and claiming that you're being set upon by fascist right-wing bigots who uh, uh, won't leave you alone to just live your your life in peace. You say, "Uh, what did we ever do to you? Why are you so angry at us? Well, let me answer that question. You see, the rest of us were living our lives. Um, We were minding our own business. When you came along and demanded that we abandon everything we know about fundamental physical reality for your sake, you claim the right to walk into whatever bathroom you want, whatever locker room you want, whatever sports team, Nobody else has, no one else has ever had that right in history. No one else has had the right to just do whatever they want and go anywhere they want. But you wanted that right. You came after our children. You seek to suck them into your suicide cult just to make yourself feel better. You want my children to share in your confusion so that you can feel better. And you wonder why that makes me angry. You tried to restructure human society to make it affirming to you personally. You wanted to force the whole world to bend to your narcissism. You tried to put words in our mouths. You tried to control how we speak, even when we're not in the room with you. 
He tried to tell us what words we're allowed to use when we talk about you, even if you're a thousand miles away. It's just this staggering level of narcissism that the world has never seen before. And you came and you just dumped that on society. You tried to take possession of parts of the English language. You waved that hideous flag in our faces, wouldn't stop waving it. You demanded not just tolerance, but celebration. And, and now you cry victim because some of us have simply said no. And that's all we've said, just no. I know that's all the things you want. I know what your demands are. No, you can't have it. I'm not doing it, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but I am saying no. You demand, you made demands. Many people surrender to those demands immediately, but some of us, a few of us are refusing and that makes you a victim. You bullied most people into submission, but now you wanna cry because a few of us can't be controlled so easily? This again is a testament to your boundless narcissism. You know, it didn't have to be this way. If you were really interested in privacy, and this goes for the whole LGBT alphabet soup, if, if you really just wanted to live your life in peace, you could have done that. You could have done that. You could have had it all. If you had just said, I'm gonna live as though I'm the opposite sex, and I'm gonna tell everyone I'm the opposite sex, and I'm gonna change my name and how I dress, um, and, and, and I'm gonna do all this because it's what I wanna do and it's how I, I wanna live. Now you could have done it. Now I, I personally still would not have agreed with your lifestyle. I would not have gone along with the charade. I would not have affirmed it or participated. But, uh, but you could have done that and uh, society generally would have left you alone as you claim you want. That was already the experience of the very small minority of trans-identified people in this country up until the last decade or so. You know, from the early 20th century to the last decade or so, there were a small, very small number of people who identified as trans and they just kind of, uh, you know, they, they were men for the most part. They put on the dress, they walked around, it was a fetish and they did it. And, uh, most people didn't bother, and most, most, some people didn't know, people suspected, they're like, look, that was kind of like a dude, but they didn't say anything, and that's just the way it was. But that wasn't good enough for you. In your vanity, you couldn't be satisfied merely with the ability to live how you want. You demanded celebration. You needed not just the ability to practice your lifestyle, but a parade following you, following you around and cheering for it. And you needed affirmation, this obsessive, unquenchable need for affirmation. Nobody else walks around every day demanding that the entire world affirm them every second, but that's what you wanted. You couldn't just believe whatever you believed about yourself. You wanted the rest of us to believe it too. And in fact, you demanded that the rest of us believe it too. And if we wouldn't believe it, you demanded that we pretend we believe it. And you wanted our children. You wanted to induct countless children into your confusion, baptize them into it, so that your confusion, that the confusion you foster in them might affirm the confusion you harbor in your own mind. You know, you pretend that you wanted freedom, but you had that. You wanted more, a lot more. You wanted to reshape our entire culture in your image. You didn't just want your own lifestyle, you wanted us to participate in it with you. You know, I read my kids the story of the uh, uh, give, a, give a Mouse a Cookie, one of the most prophetic texts of our time. And you are the mouse who wanted the cookie, and you were given the cookie, 
and you ate it, but then you wanted to eat everything else in the house too. Some people object, finally object, and you break down in tears like a child who has to leave the playground. You push too far, way too far, and now you're feeling the pushback. In summary, you wanted this fight, you asked for it, you demanded it, and now you have it, whether you like it or not. I thought that was just so good. So from very much from Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural. And the war came. And the war came. We'll be right back. Portions of the show are brought to you by the good people at Y Refi. They are very good people. I know them well. They're based here, headquartered here locally. Uh, their offices are at Scottsdale Road in the 101. They invite you to stop by. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. Won't ask you to sign a thing. What they do love doing is talking about what they do. And what they do is they offer an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. It's an inf- it's an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you ever need your money back at any time. With no principal, pen- no penalty if you do need it back, none. And the investment is not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. So if you're concerned about stock market uh, vicissitudes or inflation or possible recession, This is an investment in a portfolio not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. 888-Y-REFI-24. Did you see the poll out of New Hampshire today? Holy smokes. Um, A new poll just out from the University of New Hampshire shows Ron DeSantis in fifth place there. Fifth place in New Hampshire. I was reading Byron York's uh, newsletter on this, and he was doing a bunch of numbers crunching because the concern obviously is, or the thought might be, that this is an outlying poll, and it's not. There haven't been that many but it has uh, Ron DeSantis at about the same point. He has been in all the polls. It's just that others are doing better now. They are overcoming him. Um, you know, as one uh, political Republican political consultant said um, to Byron, uh, he said, um, DeSantis has zero on the ground presence. His national flailings, drama, and message windmilling have scared off folks with little hope of attracting new ones. The Reagan Library debate, which is next week, has to be his breakout moment. Well, I mean, a lot of us said that about the previous debate. So, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this next one is, is, is the final testing ground as to whether he can pull it off. But uh, fifth place in New Hampshire. Now, it is true he has put a lot of his investment into Iowa, and the talk is that Trump isn't uh, doing as well in Iowa as he was doing a week ago. He's still ahead by, on the average, over 34 points over his uh, second-best competitor there, which is Ron DeSantis. So anyway, we'll keep our eye on that. Did I run out of time here, David? How much time do I have? I lost—huh? I lost, oh, no, I got to go. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> 